on This Week in History with Paul Waite. And I am Paul Waite. Hey! <laughs> I'm going to stop you doing that. <laughs> I think the thing for today from Drew is, hey! hey. Like the little monkey that he is. So, um, so we're on to this on this week in history, um, which we've recently uh, also split out live as a podcast every week. I think, Drew. Oh yes. So um, I know. Um, I, I actually find it uh, incredibly helpful, actually, to uh, my prowess as a university challenge quiz answer. I'm really starting to get some um, breakthroughs. It's you out with those, with, is it? No, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the research is fantastic. So I've got 16 facts today. Can you believe 16? So um, may not get them all in. Uh, there's, there's one in particular I want to talk about a lot, so uh, I'll make sure we do. So s- kicking off um, in chronological order, in 1258, Salisbury Cathedral was inaugurated. Um, it's, it's important. Uh, Salisbury's important to me because it's a place I drove through hundreds of times in my Aspen Wake career, usually going somewhere else. <laughs> uh, it also happens to be, in terms of educating, it's the cathedral with the tallest spire in the UK. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we got a bit of, bit of, um, bit of school personal mm-hmm. and a bit of education in there. Um, so moving on to the second fact, um, something to be proud of as a Brit, so or an Englishman actually, I suppose English and Welshman. In 1356, Edward the Black Prince defeated the French at Poitiers and captured the French king. This was uh, one of the key battles in the Hundred Years' War between England and France, um, and uh, we uh, achieved you know quite a few startling victories of which well, this is one of the best and uh, the black prince is uh, one of those people who's gone down almost in mythology i would say um and i found out recently he actually died much uh, older than i thought i always thought the black prince he was a bit of a legendary uh, character and uh, one of the great warriors of, of english military history i always thought he died um at a very young age but in fact i think he was 42 or something like that mm. so uh, quite a notable uh, event in, in English history. And as I say, um, one could never uh, leave the Welsh out of this because they, um, they were basically the, um, the firepower of the time, being the best archers in the world. Keeping up the military theme, um, in 1854, uh, on this week in history, the Battle of Alma took place. Uh, this is one of the key battles in the Crimean War, which we talked about recently. Mm-hmm. It was the first battle in the Crimean War. Uh, to remind you listeners, which was between <laughs> between uh, effectively uh, Britain and France against Russia. Right. Um, and this is obviously, this is the campaign where you have charged the Light Brigade and into the Valley of Death Road to 300 and all that. So um, obviously we went on to win, win this war and this is where um, Florence Nightingale um, comes in in her hospital in Scutari. Uh, heard about Florence Nightingale, I hope? I have, yes. Yeah, so she was nursing in the Crimean War, and this was a war that sort of led to the advance of um, more modern ways of treating wounded, etc. In 1860, uh, the future Edward VII, who was obviously the Prince of Wales at the time, he became the first member of the British royal family to visit America after independence. Oh, okay. So I thought thought that was quite an Mm. an interesting little fact. Um, and then uh, I think something you know, the New Zealanders, New Zealanders uh, should be quite proud of. Um, in 1893, New Zealand became the first country in the world to let women vote. Okay. First so, country in the world. Yeah. Wow. So that was, what, 24 years before us or something? Mm, Forward thinking. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is, is that the right way of looking at it? I don't know. Mm. 
Um, and then um, the last point uh, at this section of On This Week in History. In 1909, the British Parliament passed the South Africa Act, um, which basically created the union of the Cape Colony, Natal, Orange River Colony, uh, and Transvaal, and recognised uh, both English and Dutch as the official languages of South Africa. Now, okay. uh, this was a, a hugely significant um, piece of legislation. Um, and brought to it to an end effectively the Boer Wars, which had been going on since 1891 or something. It was the first Boer War and the second Boer War. So, one of the things I find quite remarkable, and I have to say this because I think it's important to be relatively fair uh, in life, is I think it's outstanding how um, how the Afrikaner South Africans are so uh pro-british considering how badly we treated them mm. um so there we are that's the only thing i ever say i, I think it's, yeah, when it has to be said we actually invented the concentration camp so the very first concentration wow. camp was what we did to the boers on this week in history and welcome back to the second part of on this week in history and it's still paul and it's still drew who managed not to do what was it you've been all day hey. we <laughs> yeah yeah. It's just uh, exciting. I don't, know, so I, don't, exciting. I don't know why he makes me laugh. It would be better if he didn't. <laughs> um, so anyway, so uh, the first fact of uh, section two of today is in 1928, Alexander Fleming, who was a Scottish bacteriologist, mm-hmm. bacteriologist. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give up saying that, all right? Bacteriologist. <laughs> He discovered penicillin, um, which is obviously an incredibly important breakthrough in treatment of diseases. Mm. So up until that point, um, people didn't have antibiotics. It's amazing. It comes from fungi as well. It is. Um, Now, the thing I wanted to talk about most today, um, so um, I'm not going to make any apology for talking for ages about this. And if if it ends up being the only thing I talk about in this section, then that's what we're going to do. So... um, I'll be interested to see whether Drew actually knows about this chap, and I'm going to go for a probably dozen. Um, so have you heard of a chap called Lord Hawhaw? I have not, no. So in 1939, on This Week in History, Lord Hawhaw became the rodeo, rodeo, the radio host of Reichsrundfunk Berlin. Oh. Um, Lord Hawhaw's proper name is William Joyce. Um William Joyce, uh, uh, Lord Hawhaw, as he was called, um, is probably would probably go down in history as the greatest English traitor of all time. Oh dear! So basically, what Lord Hawhaw did this, this, this is my impersonation: Germany calling, <laughs> Germany calling, and then so he would so this show, and he would so he was directed at and he'd say, "Don't listen to um, what your leaders tell you. You cannot win this war." Really? Uh, yeah, so it, it was basically Lord Hawhaw was in charge of Nazi mm. uh, propaganda, uh, and he had a bespoke channel. Obviously, he, he spoke in English, to, so he was targeted at, at, at the people in Britain to undermine their morale. Wow! Uh, to tell to tell us that we basically couldn't win, um, to spread propaganda, and uh, we'll come on to uh, what happened to him as a result of all of this. Mm. Um, Why did he in, do it, Paul? Why did he go over? Because and- he's a fascist. He's a f- mm. But it's interesting. I, I won't get ahead of myself in terms of. So I'll, I'll partly, I'll, 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 I'll add more to that later mm-hmm. on, um, and then something very noble, um, which is quite appropriate, I think, after um, the treachery of uh, Lord Hawhaw. Uh, probably one of the I've only only found out about this fairly recently. It's not something I was aware of in my life, uh, and I have to say, um, 
it's probably one of the most brave things I've ever read about or heard. And I have enormous respect for this gentleman. Um, in 1940, a guy called Witold Pileski, Witold. who was a Pole, who was a officer in the Polish army, he, uh, he allowed himself to be voluntarily captured and taken to Auschwitz deliberately in order to organise resistance inside the camp. Mm. Can you imagine actually make you know getting getting uh, voluntarily taken to auschwitz wow uh, and what is amazing about this guy he actually survived the war wow got a very sad end to the story mm. survived the war and uh, was uh, shot by the russians oh dear. Um, you, you know the, the russians took over the eastern bloc so he was i think he was executed in 1948 so one of the bravest men in history wow um very 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 sad in my humble opinion. And now we move on to uh, the just desserts of Lord Hall Hall. So in 1945, um, September the 25th, I think it was. Uh, I'm sorry, September the 19th. uh, William Joyce was sentenced to death. Uh, He was the last person in British history to be sentenced to death for uh, treason. Oh, wow. So that's quite an interesting thing to know. So he's the last last person in the UK who was sentenced to be hung for the uh, for the crime of treason. Mm. What's very interesting is there's a guy called Julian Amory who was uh, the son of an MP, a Tory MP. Uh, he was hung um, around about the same time as Lord Hall Hall, but he was hung for treachery which is a completely separate offence. Mm. It's quite interesting. If you get a chance to read about this, uh, and I, I managed to read about this on my holiday because I've just been to Sicily, oh. I'm pleased to say. Um, Amory actually did quite a passionate speech uh, just before he was hung. Um, and, and, and unlike Lord Hawhaw, he did actually go to his grave um, proclaiming that he was a patriot and that he did what he did uh, for his country. Mm. Uh, you know. But anyway, he, so Amory was the last person in history to be hung for treachery. Wow. So there we are. So hope you enjoyed that. Bringing you the news of old on this week in history with Paul Waite. Welcome back, listeners. And um, we're now doing the final piece of um, part three. Part three. Thank you. Perhaps I should get you to announce it in the future. I mean, mean like the, the least I have to do, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm going to try and get in six remaining facts today to complete our 16 facts, which will be the most I think we've done in a. Uh, on this week in history. Full of here on a Saturday. <laughs> so in 1950, the United Nations rejected China's application for membership. Oh, okay. So this is obviously, um, this is at a time when Mao Zedong has uh, basically won the internal struggle inside China. Uh, and China's become this incredibly sort of totalitarian communist country. Um, and I, I think I read somewhere the other day that something... Some th- more than tens of millions of people were killed by Mao Zedong internally. So he even made Stalin look like a wow. beginner, you know. Um, and then um, an interesting fact for business. In 1954, the first Fortran computer program was run. Um, it's quite interesting for me because when I was a trainee, uh, uh, trainee accountant, uh, I had to do um, information technology as one of my subjects to get qualified. Um, and so I was taught all about things like Fortran and COBOL mm. uh, and BASIC, obviously, computer languages. So for you geeky people out there, uh, quite a significant moment in computer history. 
And then um, moving on, uh, in 1990, a significant event, really, um, in, in world history, uh, was the, reun- the reunification of East and West Germany. Um, I have slightly mixed feelings over that as someone who has views on Germany <laughs> as, as, a, as a country anyway. Um, and obviously, you know, they, were, they did pretty well on themselves. I mean, um, one of the things I always think about, uh, East Germany obviously was, was a much poorer country than, than West Germany. Uh, but because it was, um, you know, um, it's probably of all the, all the countries that Russia took over, is the one that probably most was Russianized, if you know oh, what okay. I mean. Um, and the thing I always, as someone who loves sport, the thing that I think is synonymous with the East German uh, regime was, was pro-S, quite often f- fueled by drugs, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, in athletics. So they were probably the best country in the world at running, for instance, you know, and things like that. Um, so anyway, so that's quite a significant. Were things like that um, policed back then? Not, as, not, not no. As so much. there are a lot of people disqualified after the event. Mm. Um, so there we are. Um, I really ought to write my facts in in, in an order rather than what I do <laughs> at the moment. Then it would make it a lot easier. Anyway, another rather infamous agreement, I think, in many respects, especially with what's happening at the moment. In 1984, Britain and China agreed to transfer Hong Kong back to China by 1997. Um, so basically, uh, we took over Hong Kong uh, as part of a peace treaty with China somewhere around 1810 if I remember rightly uh, and it had a shelf life uh, the, the agreement um, uh, and obviously um, despite promises by the Chinese that they would maintain uh, the rights and sovereignty of the Hong Kongese people um, it, it, you can see it's only going to end one way it's very very bad times to, to be in Hong Kong so uh, our thoughts go to those people and at least the government has um, given all Hong Kongese people the right to come to the UK. Not that that's uh, uh, be interesting to see whether it actually leads to um, some sort of military escalation, but we, we shall see. A very interesting fact for our second last one today. Um, in 1991, uh, OTZI, O-T-Z-I, the, the Iceman, hmm. um, who uh, came from... Uh, so they, he's, It's believed that he lived around 3,300 wow. B.C., um, his his mummified carcass was found in the Italian Alps, mm. uh, so it's quite a quite a, a, a famous uh, moment in, um, in 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 history or frozen prehistory. It's <laughs> very good. He was frozen in time, and then the last one, um, which which was um, I remember this incredibly well uh, in the Rugby World Cup in two thousand and fifteen. One of the greatest rugby matches, in my opinion, of all time. And I never thought I would find myself um, supporting the, the, the Cherry Blossoms, as they're called, the Japanese rugby team, who um, were, at the time, if I remember rightly, were coached by Eddie Jones, who's now uh, the English coach. Um, and it, it's gone down in history as the greatest upset in rugby world history. Uh, I remember the match like it was yesterday. I can remember the last five minutes in particular. It was played at Brighton Stadium, Brighton Football Stadium. Uh, and, the, and Japan were losing, uh, I think it was 31-32 um, going into injury time. And um, was it 20? No, they were losing 29-32, uh, I think it was. And they turned down, uh, they turned down an opportunity to, to have a penalty goal uh, to tie the match, but they didn't take it. Um, and they scored the winning try in... Um, in injury time and uh, so the final score was Japan 34 South Africa 32 and it was just uh, 
legendary match. So anyway, Good so day. a whole nice medley of wonderful little facts today. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that. Aspen Weight Radio Podcasts. Download at aspenweightradio.com or subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or Google Podcasts.